Freebooters Network. Hi, this is Devin Track with the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of 40K Radio. As well, the head geek himself, Terrace Cassidy, would like you to know that the Adepticon Tour is now up and running. So if you want to get in on this amazing convention, go to geeknationdoors.com and sign up for the tour. And now, on with the show. Welcome to 40K Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of 40K Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Alex, and with me tonight is JF. Hello, Matt. Tonight we're missing Ashley. She's furiously working to get everything done before she heads to Japan with our overlord, Terrace. So she's out here with us tonight, and you'll probably hear a couple episodes later, but we're going to try and get some guests on to uh, to keep it spicy around here. And our overlord, Terrace, did ask us that we mention the Adepticon Tour, which you should be able to see soon at geekdationtours.com. Uh, he's got everything ready to go. Space is limited, but remember, when you sign up with Terrace, you get to sign up for events early. So if you're thinking about heading to certain events, or especially those painting classes that sell out really quick, it might be a good idea to head there with Terrace, because you can get early access you, i mean you think that's a bonus you also get a room you right get exactly an actual hotel room which are like uh, uh premium these days <laughs> rarer than some precious metals right now mm, yes what was it like three less than two minutes and they were gone something like that um by the time i entered all my information and clicked for my reservation in four minutes had passed and everything was gone yeah so not a bad way to get one but today we're just going to talk about some of the latest 40k news. Uh, we got some Phoenix Rising previews, some other new releases. But as always, we like to just chat about anything we've been doing lately, hobby-wise. So we're going to start with GF today. Um, I, I haven't been doing a lot. I've been painting tiny orc planes, which are a blast to paint. They're, they were really fun to put together. Yeah. Um, nice little kits. Not too complicated. I mean, they have small details, which is great, but they're not Malifaux-sized right, details. Right. If if you've built Malifaux figs, you'll understand what I mean. They have some very, very tiny pieces that will disappear in a rug. Yes, if, if I recall um, from putting Malifaux minis together a long time ago, there was an old man whose tiny goatee was a separate piece. Yes, that's that's very much the Malifaux style of plastic don't get me wrong they're beautiful plastic yeah. oh yeah and those those tiny details do make it worthwhile but um you do get some tiny pieces for aeronautic imperialist but they're just tiny enough to be cool and you know fun details but not so small that they're impossible to put together without damaging the model so that that's been that's been a blast and i've been painting really anticipating my first game and i was supposed to play with my brother just this weekend but we decide let's just let's just keep painting the plane so we can have a cool looking first game yeah i everybody around here has um been sick lately so i was supposed to get a game in as well but didn't get to but uh, i have been putting planes together and those kids go together so easy Right, and I, I do I do appreciate that they give you a lot of options for for bombs and loadouts. Yeah, but I'm I'm curious to see where the community is going to go um, about WYSIWYG 
I mean, do True. I just put a bunch of bombs and, and rockets on my planes because it looks cool? And, and like, basically, then it's whatever cards I add to, to my plane that will let the, decide the actual upgrades. Or, or am I ex- expected to be 100% with the wig on, on the planes I put together? I'm, I'm hoping for the, for the former instead of the latter, just because I'm just throwing on what looks cool, you know? Mm, yeah. That's, that's that's where I'm hoping it lands. Also, it's it, there is one thing. I mean, I could have magnetized those tiny little pieces. Uh, yeah. I do have magnets small enough for it. But oh, man, I don't know. It I seems yeah. like it's worth it. Well, and, and you know the the different missiles they can take. I mean, the bombs look different, but the missiles are almost almost the same. That you like, unless you really looked at them, you wouldn't know the difference between the missiles. Right. So I don't know. Um. I'm I'm hoping that WYSIWYG isn't too important. Like, obviously, you want a DACA jet to look like a DACA jet. Yeah. But whether it has rockets or bombs, I'm I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to care that much. I'm hoping, like you said, that you know that it's not going to be a big deal. Um. Anything else? It, so you've been painting the work planes? No, I mean, apart from that, I've been I've been exceedingly busy on other projects recently. Yeah. I'm. Two to four days away from like putting to bed like one of my biggest projects for net for the past year and a half, which is going to really open up a lot of possibilities as to what I can do with my time. Awesome. So I'm I'm looking forward to that because I need to start prepping stuff for Adepticon. <laughs> I, I got my I, I got I got stuff I want to do. I want I want a hobby again. <laughs> I've also been putting together. Small planes in, in hopes of playing a game soon. Um, one of my are you, are you going imperial or are you going orcs or are you just doing the whole box and you know? I'm, I'm just doing the the whole box. I figure it might as well. Right. Um, I I traded out my imperial to my brother and doubled up on orcs myself. Nice. Yeah. I get. I just get the. Oh, sorry. I get the the base box. Then I get. I think it was uh, Marauder. There's one type of Marauder that wasn't in the main box, so I just got a box of those. Mm-hmm. Two, so. Yeah, like the Grot Bomber that's going to come out in November for yeah. uh, for the Orc. Like they'll we'll get more planes. I'm I'm probably not even going to stick to Orcs as soon as other Xenos become available yeah. because I don't know. I, I I I love the idea of being able to have say Eldar planes. I paint the same color scheme as the Eldars I own, and then I I don't know if ever I'll get around to it. But I have been toying around with the ideas of having some linked games and and things like that. Like there's there's really a lot of possibilities opening up for very complex, intri- you know, intricate campaigns that you could do involving all the games that you, you play. Like, I was just talking about how integrating Kill Team and 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 I don't I don't know like um, a Deathstick Titanicus having a Kill Team mission to go sabotage a weapon from from a Titan and then just don't get that weapon on one Titan. So it doesn't cripple the game, but you can have these kind of like chained influences from one game to another. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to like there's a lot to be done with that and I yeah. feel like Aeronautic Imperialist is is my sort of going to be my gateway drug for it. <laughs> there's definitely a lot of cool linked even just linked scenarios you could do between the all the different games and uh, what I'm what would be great is if they did a another starter box say January of next year that had the next two races in it. Right, that would be great. Like if they can just go from, because right now you've you've got this this starter box and came with the their, their, its campaign setting, do the same release again. 
I yeah. have no problem with them doing that a second time, having another set of maps for the the, the next world, another campaign book with some, some new rules and, and, and other bonuses and things, and have the next two races fighting each other with their ground assets in the same box. Like this, do the same thing. Like this was a great release. It worked well, and I'm not even tr- interested in playing long term either of these races, and I still think it was a good release. <laughs> I'm hoping you know, just like we've seen releases every once in a while for Titanic has come out and Necromunda. I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure they're going to keep up the same sort of sort of release with this, where every once in a while we get something new, which is great. Right. I am kind of hoping like the idea of them doing them in bigger waves. Because mm. Titanic is, we've been getting sort of, it's, it's been very, um, like, eye drop level thing. Like, yeah. once in a while, oh, a Forge World has a, a new weapon upgrade for a Titan, or here's a new Titan. But it's very, been very, like, under the radar, and very, like, tiny things here and there. I, I like the, I, I like the idea of just what, what you mentioned, like, say, next January or February, well, here's the next wave of Titanicus for this half year, and see you in six months. Yeah, I think with Titanicus, because they haven't expanded to new races yet, which I hope they will, but here we know we're getting more races for um, for Imperialis, so I hope we'll see you know a more frequent release schedule for that anyway. Right. But other than that, um, one of my friends had a birthday, so we set up a big scenario for him. It was about 6,000, actually 10,000 points per side. Um, so that was a lot of fun. It was just sort of like uh, taking over uh, uh, fortress kind of thing, but it was a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of big models on the table. Um, broke out the cave uh, KV or KX one thirty nine for the Tau. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, the is that the supremacy armor? Yeah, the supremacy armor. <laughs> they just kind of left it alone. Because <laughs> I had because it's a battle suit, so it can use drones to protect itself. So. We're just kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is a little insane. But it was a lot of fun. We had a, it was a good time. Spent most of the day doing that. Um, we've got a new league starting at my local store this week, actually. Uh, it's a little different. It's not the last one they did was an ITC league. This one is more of an achievement league. So you get just like a list of achievements every month for the three months of the league. You get a new one every month for things to try and achieve, like, um, you know, win a game without spending any command points or, uh, you know, play a, a mission a mission from the visualist book. So winning does winning does help your your score overall, but it's more about doing these different achievements. And there's like going to be 60 different achievements throughout the whole league. So, Whoa. Okay, that's impressive. Yeah, like 20 a month. It, it's I, and it, you know, a lot of some of them are just like, like I said, play this type of mission. Or it'd be like, take a take a full, uh, take a the fast attack de- a detachment with the fast attack maxed out, stuff like that. Ah, that's, that, it, that's a very interesting way of, way of approaching it. Like, you don't necessarily remove the normal victory conditions as as a means to victory or to or to, to to achieving points, but you're adding this extra layer to. You know, the, the really enterprising players, the ones who really want to prove that they are like the best general, are going to go for more. Yeah, and it's and it's also about just trying new and different things, right? Because you're playing sort of like an ITC type league. Okay, you've got a great, you know, one thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand point list. That's what you're going to play every week because you're trying to win your games. Here, it doesn't really matter if you win as long as you're doing these other achievements. Winning does help your overall league score at the end, but you would get way more points for doing the different achievements. 
Very cool. Yeah, I like it. It's they have been doing it with uh, their summer league for Age of Sigmar, which and that got a really good response. So they uh, they're doing that with 40k now. I'm I'm eager to get some time to be able to look into what's going on at the local um the local friendly gaming stores that we have here. I've been out of loop for um for, for for tournaments and things like I got to hang out with Devram from from the network just the other day um, a couple of weeks ago actually because he he they were covering uh for the pop, their podcast they were doing live stuff for uh for a local tournament I hadn't cool. even heard of these guys I, yeah <laughs> and it was a fairly big tournament a very big event with a lot of different tournaments for various games and it sort of just crept up on me. I used I used to be like it, there was a time where the only tournaments being run in Montreal were the tournaments I was running. Right. <laughs> so how the mighty have fallen? Question mark. I guess it's sort of interesting how you know I remember that back several years ago. It was the same thing, right? There was just one or two local tournaments. Now there's a tournament almost every weekend. It's just the popularity has grown, and I think especially Eighth Edition just makes it so much more accessible to everybody. Right, and like even hobbying is becoming easier and easier. I I suspect that within the next few months I'll be able to sucker a few of my friends to join into the uh, the, the insanity that is this game. <laughs> yeah, where um one of my friends who used to play 40k a long time ago, he's coming to the to the local store tomorrow night to get a, a rules rundown of the uh, new edition. He did already like he bought a bunch of space pieces. Got like. 1500 points of space marines already painted up with contrast ready to go so nice yeah it makes just makes life easier i'm glad to see you back in the game too yeah i've been uh, i've been using contrast to paint my planes and getting a feel for it i am very optimistic as to what i'll be able to do in the future with those things there is a yeah, we, we we're, we're scratch. I'm I'm scratching the surface of, of what these things can do, and it's it, it's they seem just as versatile as I was hoping they'd be. I'm I'm really looking forward to you know in in six months or so when we start, especially when the next round of like uh, Adepticon next year, where the competitions are coming up, where we're gonna be able to see what people have been able to do with the contrast paints. Right. There's um. It's always interesting to see what the actual experts and professionals can do with new tools. Yeah, just to see how, because how just versatile they can be, because they of course are far better at painting than I am. So, <laughs> well, it's also it's also that it's in their best interest to experiment more. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you don't want to be the guy who does all these contests and be the last one to figure out or or adopt this really new neat new trick to to get it like a, a specific effect. Yeah, I'm really. Um, I've been seeing a lot of pictures of um, contrast over metallic primers, you know, like a silver or a bolt gun metal sort of primer, and they, it's amazing just how it looks when you just go. That's even just a little bit outside of the box, just how good it looks. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So, in the world of 40k, where we uh, got the salamanders and. Imperial Fist Codex is coming up, sort of uh, expanding on that, the Space Marine uh, Codex with the, the six mini codexes. These are the next two. Uh, some some more interesting-looking models, but, um, you know, it's more Space Marines. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm down. Like, we're seeing, I guess, with the equivalent of 
the Primer's Terminator armor thing is. I'm very much behind yeah. on what's what with the the, the, the Primer stuff. So forgive me for if if this is something that's already new uh, known, but. but I, the the the, uh, the Imperial Fist guy had had his armor and I went oh, okay that's that looks cooler than what I've seen so far like it looks bulkier and more fun but I I mean I don't play Space Marines so yeah. much so I mean in in a way I am happy that the Primaris thing seems to be taken off because I'm a lot more likely to get into Space Marines now yeah because of them well and, I mean. With the older models, the Tactical Squads, Devastator Squads, it's, it's been the same, m- pretty much the same kit. They've just, you know, sort of added some extra iconography and details on, on the models, given some more accessories to put on. But there hasn't really been anything, you know, overly exciting when it comes to your, your normal troops for a long time. Right. And I think what's... And, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say... Um, I think what's interesting is when they announced that they were doing these mini codexes... They actually, you know, they're talking about like uh, stuff that isn't in the codex, right? Like a chaplain on a bike. And they're saying, oh, they did this sort of big announcement. They're going to say, okay, we're going to support your models that you have forever. So that leans me towards not necessarily soon, but in, you know, maybe two years or so, because now they're getting to the, the regular Space Marines being taken the transition to Primaris, that we're going to see the regular Space Marines sort of become the Warhammer 40,000 Legends sort of line, as it were. Which which I'm kind of fine with. Yeah, yeah. Um, Space Marines have been here for so long. Getting them to be a bit more modernized uh, sort of makes sense. Um, it's it's kind of weird to see hover vehicles becoming so prominent in yeah, uh, right. in, in Space Marines. <laughs> they spent this. It took, it's been so long. They've been telling us, oh no, like they, this is prohibited technology. And then yeah, yeah now everything's going to be hovering now. Yeah. Which eh, I guess is fine, but I mean, I do I do have a spot in my heart for the the, the good old Land Raider and the good old Rhino. But then again, the Rhino is going to still have a life in the Sisters of Battle. Oh yeah, definitely. Line as we've seen. They could go really old school and make it so every army has Rhinos now. The Space Marines are just dumping them off really cheap at auction. Well, maybe, but also I don't know if you've seen the uh, the update for the uh, the vehicles for the Sister Battle. Oh, I don't know if we beautiful. talked about that last ex- no. uh, episode, but yeah, they're keeping the Rhino frame, but everything that goes on top of it is just gorgeous. Yeah, lots of iconography and different little accessories. They look they look amazing. Yeah, that, that I have a feeling that conversion sprue that they're going that's going to come with the uh, with, with the Sisters Rhino and probably Immolator and Exorcist are just it, it, I, I it, they're not going to do it because Games Workshop has this tendency to leave money on the table for these kind of things. Yeah, but if they were to make that sprue available on its own, even if it's just for six months, I, they, they would sell a ton of them. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. But like you said, they usually don't kind of do that kind of stuff. They want you to buy no, the whole uh, kit. <laughs> it takes them. It takes them a couple of years to put out a, a book that with the rules. Right. For uh, for the game, so that's as convenient for tournaments. Even though they know they will sell out of these things almost immediately, because people like having tiny, convenient books to go to tournaments with. Yeah, I thought that was nice to see that they were finally releasing a uh, and like a widely available mini rulebook as opposed to the only one that you know the old one just came in the collector's edition. But now everybody's gonna be able to pick one up, which is great. 
Yeah, definitely. It's I don't know if I'll be picking it up because my rule book is digital, but and that makes it very easy for tournaments. But at the yeah. same time, <laughs> I I I hate to see a company. It's why I've always had like this very interesting conversation where people say, "Games Workshop is greedy." I'm like, no, they're not. Right. I, mean, they, right. <laughs> I don't want to say that they're dumb, but they're not like. Games Workshop is like us. They're just really excited about things sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It would be great um, if, and I didn't see anything saying that it did, but if it included all the missions from all the chapter approves in there, because they're doing the same thing for Age of Sigmar. They're releasing a book that has, you know, every mission they've published in all the general's handbooks that have come out each year uh, into one book, with, which would be great. That would be so helpful, I think, for 40K, but I think it's just a rule book for now. I completely agree, and that something like that would actually make me. Like I said, I already have the digital edition of the, the rule book, but if it has more, like it, it it accumulates a bunch of other things that I would otherwise have to hunt down to get into one convenient package, that makes it worthwhile for someone like me to to pay again and get that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a pain in the ass every time I want to go to the store and play games. I got, because I want to have the options, so I have the rule book, chapter approved, and then the second, you know, the second chapter approved, and then at the end of this year, there'll be another chapter approved. Even if I just like to see them all consolidated in one place, just make life easier. That'll be another, you know, what it, what is this, two years since 8th edition? So another two years down the road. <laughs> I'm I'm cool with Ace Edition being the edition that just gets patched all the oh, time yeah. until 100%. forever. And it feels like they're going that way with with the frequent FAQs, and now they you know they just republish the Space Marine Codex with updated rules. Right, exactly. So. I didn't I didn't don't know if people because when the I think it was the Chaos Space Marine Codex when they put out the new version, yeah. people who already owned the digital version just got an update. They didn't have oh, to buy awesome. the new. I don't know if they did that for the Space Marine Codex because I don't own it. Mm. Um, but if so, I mean, again, that's something very cool to look forward to in the future is just having updates. Because I've always seen the rules as obviously there's nothing wrong with wanting to sell books because obviously physical books, you know, cost money to make. But I've always felt that in, for the, a very large part, rules and, and the game and, and, you know, character and model unit points and stuff. I've always felt that, that was more suited to be a loss leader. Like here's your game by here's your game for free or very, very cheap and buy models and buy paints and all that. Yeah, it's 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 definitely improves on their, you know, sort of past business model too that everybody with the Chaos Space Marine code is gonna Got a free update. I don't know anybody that has digital Space Marine Codex, but I would hope they would do the same thing. And like you're saying, continue to do the same thing going forward. Right, because which one are you more excited to do? Are you more excited to pay $45 to get the rules to replace rules you already had? Or are you more excited to pay $65 but it's for, a fresh, for a fresh new model? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I would gladly pay more for something i'm more excited for and that will rarely be just updated rules right <laughs> especially if i have to choose between updated rules and the model yeah, to true. go with the rules 
And, and the nice thing now, too, is besides the profiles that are being updated, you know, the you get a bunch of new strategies and stuff, but if you have the updated um, rule book from your digital download just happen, then you just go buy the, the $15 deck of uh, cards and you're all set. You're good to go. Yeah, it, it makes it easier to keep playing. If you keep playing, it's easier to keep buying more models. Exactly. And with that, we also get to see some uh, previews from Phoenix Rising, which seems to be a very Eldar-centric event now. For the time being, like it looks like yeah. the first wave of Psychic Awakening is going to be very Eldar. The, the whole Phoenix Rising thing, obviously, it ties yeah. into the Phoenix Lords. And the first one we got is James R. Which is an incredible model. It is pretty damn cool. And I have some, I have some, uh, well, not me, but my brother has some, um, some howling banshees. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't think adding to these howling banshees with the plastic ones is going to be a problem. And then yeah. you get this really cool freaking Phoenix Lord. It's all very, very cool. I, I gotta, I gotta be, keep track of this and see where it's going. Cause as I said, I think our first episode, if there's plastic aspect worries, I'm in trouble. Cause I'll just get financially. No, no, I mean, I'll just, I'll end up with a whole new army. <laughs> yeah, so I guess yeah, financially, well. yeah. <laughs> um, well, one one thing that's interesting, uh, um, ah, wait, I completely lost my truck, my, my, my trail of mine. I swear I'm not dumb, I'm just panicking. <laughs> um, go on. I just, you know, because um, we already have Howling Banshees, it'll be interesting to see if they do other plastic kits for Aspect Wars, which would be great. The interesting thing about the Aspect Warriors is that you can't really have, you know, sort of like a base kit, right? So Space Marines, your, your Marine, you have the basic sort of body for a Space Marine, then you just throw in a different sprue that makes it, you know, whatever type of Space Marine, whether it's a Hellblaster or an Intercessor um, or, you know, a Tactical Squad, Devastator Squad, that kind of thing. But here, each aspect is so unique in its in its armor and the way, the way it looks that it'd be kind of... I'm sure they'll figure it out somehow to, to do something, but it seems like it'd be, to me anyway, it'd be tough to just sort of have uh, one sort of base kit to build off of for every single aspect. Um, I, I, I had theorized that some aspects could have some of the basic components sort of be swappable, yeah. but it, it, it would still require a certain degree of redesign form. I mean, if they're capable of making these non-dual kits, it's not as convenient but it's good enough well and right. and they'll they know they'll sell them and now with with 3d modeling technology which is mainly what you know what they use now it's i guess it's not really that hard to to switch it up to make it a, a striking scorpion or something yeah no exactly there's um it's a lot of possibilities and we already know that they're doing more um they're, they're doing another character that's going to be revealed next Monday. Yeah. And I mean, we can all pretty much assume it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Drozar, the Master of Blades from the, uh, from Dark Eldar or Drukari. Just because of the art we've seen. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be really interesting to see what his his sort of updated model looks like. Because that, that was a long time ago that they, uh, first introduced him. Same thing, just like the Phoenix Lords, right? It's it's been a while. I I think he was in the first. Uh, Dark Eldar Codex way back in third edition. He was, he was. Um, beep my my 
the person I started playing 40k with at the time, she like that was her favorite character. So I can't wait till I can't wait till the next Monday where I can just like send her the link and say, <laughs> hey, look what's out. Pull them back in. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be possible. Right. <laughs> Very busy people. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, another thing that I found interesting with the, the James R. announcement is that there is a faction of the, the Eldari that has not been seeing a lot of love recently. And there's been articles complaining about it because when they came out, it was, it was a big deal. They were supposed to shake up the entire 40K universe. And that's the Unari. Yeah. And yeah, they got their three models. They dominated the meta for a little while because, you know, cheese. Right. Then they got nerfed. Then they got nerfed again. Then they got a, a, a nerf update in White Dwarf. And now they're basically forgotten. They're, they had no lore updates since they came out. But apparently now they're going to be a big deal again. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if if um you know because they said um two races will get major updates i'm wondering if that's going to be the two eldar factions right drukari and and eldari slash yanari i here's what i'm thinking i don't think the eldar or like the 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 craft world eldar or the drukari are the ones getting major updates I mean, they're getting a Phoenix Lord, they're getting yeah. Banshees, sure, fine, but that's not major yet. That's true. Now, what would make... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and if if you're looking at Yanari as the major faction getting an update, I mean, that would be a pretty major update because they have three characters right now. Um, and exactly. All this, and all this stuff works with them, too. But imagine... Imagine, if you will, that they get their own codex. And it doesn't need to be like a super big codex. It doesn't need to be like Sister of Battle type redo. But give them five or six units and access to, uh, to again, still have access to some, if not all, of the, the Dukari and Arlequin and other um, and Craftworld and Eldars. You could have a much more decent army than just, uh, well, you've team take these three characters and then sort of min max your way to a decent list. Right. Yeah, definitely. And we already know they're doing at least two kits for the craft world Eldar, one kit, well, one clamshell for the, uh, for the dark Eldar, well, the Drakari. So what's, well, what's four or five kits? Yeah. And we also saw the incubi for the Drakari as well. That's true. So yeah, we already so. know there's two kit, two kits each. Yeah. So that that would be an interesting um, that would be an interesting candidate for uh, for a big redo for Psychic Awakening. And I mean, if they're supposed to be playing a big role in this whole thing, yeah, especially for the, yeah for the first part here, the Phoenix Rising portion of it. I do have a uh, a triumvirate of Unaid box kicking around somewhere. I'll have to find it. <laughs> I, I do too. I'm waiting for an excuse to build it and paint it. <laughs> I have plans. I, I have some, some forge world stuff I want to put Ooh, nice. together with that too. You know, you know what? I, what I would really love to see, um, and, and I don't think it's going to happen, but it would, it would be kind of cool because right now we've got if, if you play Craft World Eldar, um, you can have an avatar of Kane. Uh, if you play Yanid, you can have this, like, the Incarn, which is sort of an av- avatar of Yanid. An army that could use one more model 
that would be really rad is an avatar of Sigarash for Ooh. Harlequins. Oh, I'd love that. Because they don't have that like big model, right? They don't have that monster. Yeah. Having a trickster god on the table? <laughs> that'd be mm, incredible. <laughs> that'd be fun. I love it. I want it. <laughs> a nice centerpiece for the uh, for my Harlequin army. Um, right? Because I was going to have to go with a, a Wraith Knight painted up in a Harlequin scheme, which will also look cool, but would not be as cool as my own, you know, my own faction's if you want Wraith Knights painted in Harlequin scheme, I can probably hook you up. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, I only have two. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You're yeah, seeing exactly zero playtime. Oh, really? Well, I don't... I'm, it's They're not the right color scheme for what I actually want to play, so... Gotcha, gotcha. So it'll be interesting to see how many more Eldar and, and Dark Eldar kits we get with this, this first... Uh, first branch of the psychic awakening because it seems like it's it's going to be very eldar centric which is great because you know you had your space rings was the first sort of the first codex and then eldar were shortly thereafter so they definitely need at least some sort of update and those eldar most of the eldar models have been around forever too they're really really old models oh yeah absolutely i mean some of them got refreshed a bit during the uh the dark times of fine cast but yeah that's about it how how disappointing was it when they announced new aspect warrior models but sorry they're fine cast yeah we just took the old molds and filled them with resin instead of metal for the most well, if, part so there you go if i'm not mistaken that's not even the case like some of no. them i i think the, the the howling banshees were just new sculpts but in resin <laughs> Oh, I didn't even look at him that closely to see. But. Um, I'm not sure. I could I could yeah. be wrong, but I I thought that was because that makes it sort of double disappointing that they went through the effort of sculpting something new and but it's it it's old. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Cast was such a such a disappointment. It was. It the 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 thing is resin is hard to do in mass yeah. quantities. Yeah, and doing like. Games Workshop does not have small quantities. Like there, right. I, it, it, we we keep forgetting how big Games Workshop is compared to all the other miniature companies out there. Yeah. So the idea that oh no, we're just going to do this very already kind of finicky material and casting process and we're going to do this widespread for models that people want to buy a ton of and we're going to hope for the best like that was i they're they're they overreached i go on on the website and look at direct you know they have some stuff that's only available direct order and when i see it's fine cast i really have to think about whether or not i, I need that model or want that model <laughs> But here's the funny thing, right? Like I have seen with my own eyes horror stories for fine cast. Oh People yeah, bought fine cast models, bubbles everywhere, pieces missing, like swords that have a bubble so large on the blade that basically the blade is cut into. Yes, yeah, I have never had a problem with fine cast. I I've been lucky. I I think some of the first models I got when it first started did have that that problem, but I've only picked up a handful since then, and they've mostly been fine um it's mostly just bending that's the problem yeah but if you've done forge world bending is not oh yeah it's not, it's, you know how to fix it second I, I, right? 
Yeah, I, I feel Finecast got better after the initial wave when yeah. you got their quality control thing under control, but, I mean, the stink of it never left. Yeah. But who cares, because that's kind of a thing of the past, because everything's plastic now, it's beautiful, and we live in the golden age. Ah, it's incredible. So we will keep you up to date on anything else we see for Psych Awakening. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more cool stuff. Um, that's really been mostly it for, for 40K. We, we keep approaching ever closer to the Sisters of Battle release. Uh, we know we'll see that box army before the end of the year. It might be, I think we're saying like probably November, we think anyway. I think, I think they pretty much gave us a solid November. Yeah, yeah. Now there are four weeks in November, so it could be the very end, but either way, we'll see, we're going to see it soon. And I'm excited to see what else is in there, what else is new for the army. I think Same everything, here. I think everybody's pretty pretty pumped to see that. I mean, man, the accessory screw for that Rhino is ridiculous, so I can't wait to see what else they come out with. Ah, uh, such plans for that. Such plans. <laughs> I live in Quebec, and their thing is the fleur-de-lis, so... Oh, yeah, there you go. And they're still keeping up with... We're still seeing some stuff coming out for Kill Team, which is nice. Um... Well, so, the, the merging of Kill Team and uh, and Black Blackstone Fortress is very in- interesting. Yeah, those basically are some... rules to play uh, your 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 miniatures from uh, Blackstone Fortress in Kill Team. And those those cultists that those are some awesome cultist models. Did you see the they the are. newest ones? Yes, I have, and I am I'm not a Chaos fan at all, but those look pretty rad. I just, you have uh, a, a very redemptionist from the old uh, from the old Necromunda thing going on. That's what I was thinking too. They'd make great Necromunda redemptionists. Um, and there was some cool uh, difference mechanics guys in there too, a tech priest and a few more servitors and stuff like that. So I like I do like how they're they're sort of making it that you can sort of pass them between the different games. Right, because they even they do rules for for 40k and like you were saying, Blackstone Fortress and Kill Team, all for these releases. So it's you're not necess- you know you're not you're buying models you can use in each game instead of just one, which is a really smart business move, I think. I completely agree. I, I and if this is where we're going for most of the models that they're putting out, um, is is going to look good. It's it's because you get more value for every model that you buy and that just makes it easier to buy more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to question whether you should buy the, the Blackstone Fortress stuff or the 40 K stuff. Cause you can kind of use it in both if it's your and, faction. And think about how cool the armies we're going to see on the tabletop are going to get the further we move along with this because now it's like someone shows up with like a, a, a character has written you of servitors. The servitors are going to come not just from like the basic servitor box, but they're going to come from, from a variety of different places. It's, it just makes everything cooler. Yeah. And it, it really opens up a lot of, um, neat conversion possibilities too. Just so the good, a, a nice, interesting, different model to start to have to start with for a base. No, absolutely. I do love converting. <laughs> so that's been pretty much it for 40K. Uh, we got the new season of um, Underworlds coming out, which I love that game, so I'm excited for that. Now, I know, JF, you were saying you were you were sort of dipping your toe into that pool a little bit. I'm finishing some 
the previous like the the, the um, night hunt like the the, the, the last season Sylvaneth I'm, uh, gotcha. I'm finishing those up uh, my girlfriend is finishing some some uh, models I got her she's uh, she, she, I'm teaching her to paint with that uh, I, I was I was just very happy because I had offered because I know she she likes to play games like she'll play she'll play board games and stuff so I said you know what I'll buy her a team and I'll paint it for her and that way we can play that game together. And, but she insisted on painting her own stuff, so I'm kind of like jazzed about that. That's and she's awesome. doing a good job so far. So I'm my plan for, for Underworlds is I'm going to finish. I have last year at the Tepticon, I got the Eye of Nine box, which I started painting. They're almost done. Then I bought myself those Sylvaneth trees, guys. I don't know the name of most of these things, by the way. <laughs> And I started painting those, and they're going to be the same color scheme as the Sylvan F army I want to build one day. Uh, girlfriend's building her own thing. I've also got the Night Haunt and the, um, the storm dudes that are not Space Marines, I swear. Yeah, 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 those guys. So those two, I have ideas for extremely quick color schemes I can put together. So I'm figuring that by the time I get to um, to the holidays, I'll personally have four teams painted. The girlfriend's going to have her own team. So I'll have enough teams to donate to friends I want to corrupt. So I'll be able to say, <laughs> here's your team. And now you get to play with me, especially for people I know who don't want to paint the figs but want to play the games. So <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just preparing. Like, I am a pusher, putting together my packages that'll be saying first times free to a bunch of people, and it's gonna be great. And the thing I I love about that game is that you know with you sort of get the experience of uh of painting a type of army. But only painting like you know up to seven or, or figures, so you sort of get the feel of you painting Stormcast, painting the the Zinch, uh, the Eyes of the Night that you have, or the the Dryads. You can sort of kind of get an experience of painting that type of miniature without having to, you know, buy a whole army and then realize you don't like it after painting five of them and then having a whole army you don't. Like. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that never happens. <laughs> and even when, I, when you look at it, you know, you, if you're starting to paint and you don't like them, it's still only a handful of models, so you might as well just finish. That's the way I look at it, anyway. Yeah, it's like maximum, like, what, I think the biggest warband is maybe eight models? Yeah, I think I think the Goblin one, because it has some extra squigs, gets up to nine, but there's still, that's not much. Yeah, it's it's not a big deal. And and now with the uh, with Beastgrave coming out, and I, I know it's supposed to be a 40k podcast, but I'm... The reason I like talking about Underworlds is I'm kind of hoping that eventually we'll have a 40k Underworlds. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, right? So the, the one of the things about like Beastgrave is now there's going to be this this other team of um, what do you call of Sylvaneth type guys, and they've got they've got a Kitty and a Centaur. So I'm I'm really <laughs> down for all this. And again, you can use them in your games of Age of Sigmar if you want, because they all have a War Scroll for them. Exactly, which is brilliant. That War, War Scrolls available online for free, so you don't need to hunt it down in a rulebook or a campaign book. Yeah, they they definitely know what they're doing. <laughs> well, uh, did you get your submission in, in time for the? Um... I did, and apparently they got over two thousand submissions. Yeah, so. 
the good news for us as consumers of this media and fans of um, just of, of Black Library stuff is that it is impossible that in 2000 submissions there isn't at least a few gems. Oh, yeah. There is going to be some awesome stuff in in there. Now, the bad news for me is that there's a lot, there's a much higher chance that there's going to be much better things than what I submitted um, that's mm. going to pop out, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would really like to get my toe into Black Library just because obviously as a fan of 40K and, and Warhammer in general and, and Games Workshop's work, it would be, you know, tremendously cool to be doing things for the company. At the same time, I'm, this is not this is not like my my only avenue right, to getting right. published, obviously. So, still comfortable if I don't get it. But it would be really freaking nice, and I'm sort of kind of jazzed about the idea I submitted, and I I, I hope they like it. We'll see. I hope they do too, because it'd be awesome if you get to write for Black Library. It'd be fun because I, the the problem with a submission like that is that they're very much like oh. Please create something that is going to be awesome, and you're going to fall in love with the idea of working on this thing. M- m- invent some characters and storylines that you adore, and um, oh, and then oh no, you don't get to do them. Yeah. So it's, I, th- I think that's the most painful thing is not like having gone through the effort of creating something that you're passionate about, and then, well, sorry. <laughs> That's true, but we're pulling for you anyway. It'll be fine, like I said. I mean, yeah. you, I, yeah. If you haven't read any JS books, I, I recommend you listeners get a hold of them and read them because they're actually I enjoyed them. I, I enjoyed writing them. If that counts, <laughs> there you me. go. That's two votes to read the book. <laughs> yeah, mine <laughs> does not count. <laughs> Anything else for the listeners this week, Jeff? I don't know nothing. I'm 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 eager to uh, to see who you get for interviews this, uh, while Ashley's away. Um, and if if we don't get anyone, like we can do more shows like this. It's just that these things are always more fun with with like a third person. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll see I have some get. cool stuff that I'm working on, but I can't talk about it until they're actually closer to being done. Mm. I look I look forward to hearing about it when they're when they're almost there uh we'll try and well, I, I do some... i do have i do have this storytelling podcast that i don't know if i mentioned it on the show yet um that's coming out in october no i have seen your your um you, you i've seen you talking about it on facebook i i just not sure how to pronounce it uh aquilo there you go so ache as in pain willow as in the tree uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've teamed up with the, the winner of America's Next Top Podcaster, uh, which was a podcast game show, if you will, last year. Um, and she's going to be narrating a story that I've written that's kind of like a cozy horror story. Very, think about it like a, I don't know, a mix of Twin Peaks with a bit few more horror elements, but also some elements of, I guess, the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> it's it's weird. Like there's 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 a lot of things about cooking and demons. So it's <laughs> it's it's a fun story. Uh, Amy Frost, who's going, who's the, the, the who I'm partnering partnering with for that, is is an awesome narrator. I wrote the story very much for her voice, 
Um, and this is the, 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 we're going to, we've already got a Q and a about what we're planning to do with the story and with the, um, with, with the podcast that's available. Now I'll give the link to that in a moment. Um, but we're planning on having our first episode come out in late October. It's a 15 episode arc for the first season. You can either, you can listen to the first, first episode, see if you like it, give a, give a review when you do. And uh, either just listen one episode a week or wait until the whole thing's out and just binge listen to it like it, as if it was an audiobook. And you can get more information or listen to the Q&A and get an idea of, uh, of what you would be getting into by going to aquillo.com. That's A-C-H-E-W-I-L-L-O-W.com. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I, 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 I'm having so much fun working on it. Awesome. Well, guys, check out JF's storytelling podcast coming at the end of October. Let him know how awesome it is on not only its Facebook page, but also 40K Radio's Facebook page. Show us what you're working on. As always, we will see you in a few weeks. Thank you for listening to 40K Radio, part of the Free Buddhist Network. You can contact us via email at hosts at 40kradio.com or on the Free Buddha's forum. Please check out the other podcasts on the Free Buddha's network. Until next time, remember that in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war and cookies.